five, four, three, two, one. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 25 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. You can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Instagram, all those fun things at Sir DRJM. Go ahead and reach out to me over there on Twitter, preferably. Uh, give me a follow, send me a message, let me know anything you want to let me know. Um, I'd love to interact with you, and I'd love to uh, get things involved on the show a little more than they are currently. Right now, it's uh, definitely a one-man show, and I'm running things, but if you have suggestions, questions, anything like that, I'd happily uh, take them into account. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Now, if you're new to the show, I'll give you a breakdown of how things typically look. First things first, we dive into the news and we cover everything uh, as it relates to Overwatch and the Overwatch League. Um, today, we've actually got some good news stories uh, for kind of a change since the offseason. Um, a lot less action on the trade side of things, although still plenty of action there. But I guess more uh, more news coming out. A um, few stories ranging from the new Symmetra challenge that was just announced uh, to some juicy details from the latest developer update. Um, but then, because we're in the offseason, we move into the Owl Tracker, where we look at all of the latest uh, trades, retirements, changes, announcements coming out of the Overwatch League. So, uh, today, I think we'll get in there um, and move on to the news, because, as I mentioned, we got some good stories going on. So, let's move right in there. Playtime's over. All right, so to kick things off, we're going to first take a look at the Overwatch League, uh, not Overwatch League, sorry, the Overwatch website, as a new challenge was announced. This time around, it is called Symmetra's Restoration Challenge, and of course, it is available November 17th through the 30th. So I'm going to read this little snippet right from the Overwatch website, and then uh, it mentions our next news story as well, but we won't quite cover that just yet. However, it reads like this. Play, watch, and earn epic rewards. Through November 30th, bend reality to your will to earn exceptional new rewards, including Maramat Symmetra by winning games and winning Overwatch, sorry, and watching Overwatch on Twitch. Plus, embark on a journey of understanding with Symmetra and Zenyatta in Christy Golden's new Overwatch short story, Stone by Stone. Moving on from there, we've got a nice little picture of Symmetra in the new skin that's available for her. And it reads, play to earn. Wins in quick play, competitive play, and arcade will earn you a limited time player icon spray and Maramet Symmetra, in addition to regular weekly rewards. Win three games, Maramet Symmetra player icon. Win six games, Maramet spray. And win nine games, Maramet Symmetra skin. Now, officially, I'm going to stop saying Maramet because I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. However, I did want to say it there just for posterity. So I'm looking at the skin right now. It's actually a, a pretty nice one for Symmetra. Um, it's kind of gold and yellow with some red sort of copper rust kind of colored highlights, um, as well as a nice little headpiece and some earrings on her. So definitely a, a nice one. Um, Symmetra, a character that I think you never used to see played very often, but now at least in the ranked level that I'm playing at, um, 
it's definitely not uncommon to see her. And also I know, uh, I mean, I, I watch uh, or I follow a couple of streamers, one Daniel Fenner, um, who you can find on Twitch at, quickly Googles his, his Twitch handle. Uh, I believe it's just Daniel Fenner. Pause. Daniel Fenner, there he is, yep. D-A-N-I-E-L, pardon the music, F-E-N-N-E-R, on Twitch. Um, so I, I follow him, he actually, he streams uh, Overwatch primarily, although he does do a little bit of variety, but he often plays some Symmetra, and I believe he is Grandmaster, if not Top 500 at uh, some roles, and so it's always exciting to watch his Symmetra play, because he is bomb-ass at that. Anyhow, I digress. You see Symmetra relatively often now in competitive, and I like that. Now, continuing on with the uh, details on the Overwatch website. Now, through November 30th, tune in. Oh, watch to earn. So these are the Twitch rewards you can get for watching streamers stream Twitch. Now, through November 30th, tune in to Overwatch streamers on Twitch to earn up to six unique Symmetra's Restoration Challenge sprays. And, of course, you have to have your Twitch drops enabled and your blizzard account linked to your twitch account so looking at the sprays here watch two hours you get pilgrim spray watch four hours you get sanjay and incense sprays and watch six hours you get perception light weave and mealtime sprays so looking at these um obviously they're going to be focused around the details of the short story there that i mentioned and that i'll talk about in a little bit here but uh mostly symmetra sprays with a little hint of zenyatta in a couple of them and uh just a couple odd ones that obviously relate to the story so cool stuff good stuff there um i'm always a big fan of the the weekly challenges um i definitely i enjoy the holiday ones but i always like seeing these kind of more more uh i don't know more lore focused ones more out of the blue ones i don't think many people knew this one was coming um especially with you know the halloween event ending and then the holiday event coming up um this is kind of a nice one to see pop up fill that gap in between the two sort of times even though you know in a lot of ways i don't think anyone would have expected that to happen but blizzard's obviously seeing some good stats for coming from these weekly challenges um based on the fact that they keep doing them and getting some good feedback on them so i'm excited to see them and i certainly like the chance to uh to earn some more skins so good stuff there happy to see that um going on now, the next story, as I mentioned a couple times there, was hinted at in the description for the Symmetra's Restoration Challenge. Um, but I wanted to highlight it here. So there's actually a new short story uh, written by Christy Golden called Stone by Stone. Um, so I'm just going to read the quick blurb here, again on the uh, Overwatch website. When Vishgar Corporation inadvertently destroys a sacred statue of Aurora, the first sentient Omnic, the brilliant hardlight architect Satya Veswani also known as Symmetra, sorry, I stumbled on her name there, is sent in to avert a PR disaster. She's been instructed to give the village whatever it wants, but she doesn't know what that might be. When she accepts whatever Zenyatta's first name is, Tekhartha, Zenyatta's invitation to stay at the gold at the temple and learn about Aurora and the Omnic faith, Symmetra embarks on a journey of understanding, compassion, and acceptance that results in the perfectly imperfect gift to the village, to Zenyatta, and to herself. So I apologize for butchering some of the names there. I'm obviously not too versed on, on the Zenyatta and Symmetra lore um, or what little of it existed prior to this. 
But again, as I mentioned, definitely exciting to see Blizzard fleshing out some of this stuff. And certainly this is the kind of thing that I think um, it's a little bit surprising to see Blizzard hasn't dove into a lot more. Um, I certainly know with, with how sort of, in a lot of ways, mainstream Overwatch has become. You know, I think if, if you go to a mall, it's not uncommon to see um, Blizzard, uh, not Blizzard, sorry, Overwatch logos or character logos like Tracer, um, like D.Va, um, that kind of thing in stores like, uh, I mean, honestly, like Hot Topic and a few stores that I hate like that, but also just like, you know, going to an EB Games or game stores and seeing lots of the Funko Pops and lots of swag, and it's definitely easy to find Overwatch merch. So I think it's a little bit surprising that Blizzard hasn't taken a lot more advantage of the Overwatch IP kind of thing. Um, one thing that I've had in my mind for a long time is, I mean, Overwatch is prime for a cartoon or something like that. I think there was a while there where they were rumored to be working with Netflix on one, um, and e even maybe in a bit of an anime style kind of um, kind of akin to the Castlevania series that uh, that Netflix worked on with, I believe, Adi Shankar. Um, and certainly that was exciting to me. I, I'm a big fan of, uh, pardon me, I got noises coming, coming from every which way this time around. Um, I'm certainly a big fan of any form of, uh, exposure that they can use to get, get the word out, the good word, good word about, uh, Overwatch kind of thing. So anyways, uh, exciting to see that. And, uh, if you're not familiar with the author there, Christy Golden, I think, uh, Overwatch is in good hands with, with her, I didn't. I haven't read the short story yet. Although, if you go look up, honestly, if you Google Symmetra's Restoration Challenge, um, and you go to the actual Overwatch website, you'll find they have a link there to read the actual short story. So it's nice that it's published for free, obviously. Um, but the uh, the author there, I looked into her a little bit, um, just because I wasn't personally familiar with her. But I'm not, you know, too on the up and up when it comes to Blizzard. Uh, extended universe lore and things like that and it turns out she's she has a good relationship with blizzard obviously because she's written a ton of world of warcraft and warcraft fiction um, she's actually written a number of star wars uh, novels or, or short stories or books um, a lot of star trek fiction even some things like assassin's creed and then a number of other things that you know i didn't recognize or or maybe ips outside of video games so she's certainly well versed in in this uh in this area so exciting to see that i'm definitely going to give the uh, short story a read when i have some time um but given that i think it was it was either just published yesterday or today so i just haven't had a chance to look at it yet but i'll get there so exciting stuff to see that and like i say um definitely happy to see some lore coming from Symmetra and especially uh as it relates to zenyatta because i know zenyatta is probably one of the characters that a lot of people are are clamoring for some lore and details and information about his his back or i guess his i guess he's a robot so he doesn't really have a gender but about the um background behind zenyatta so exciting to see him tying into that again i said him but i meant i meant omnic exciting to see that tying into that and uh hopefully a hint of things to come um, actually, and side note, not something I have in the news there, but one of the things that I was reading was it seems like there's actually, with with relation to the Symmetra challenge, there's potentially some hints at a new map that might be either coming in Overwatch 2 or, of course, could potentially come a little earlier than that into Overwatch 1, although I wouldn't get my hopes up about that. But I saw that there's rumors of a new Delhi map based on the uh, 
the short story based on the Symmetra and Zenyatta story here. Uh, so exciting stuff there and a nice little nice little tease if that's what they're giving us. So I'll close that for now and let's move on to the next story. So our next story is uh, about the latest patch notes. So as I'll mention here right after this, there was a new developer update which posted yesterday, I believe, um, and I'll cover that in a little bit. But along with that, obviously they announced the Symmetra challenge, they announced this short story, and there was of course talk of some of the latest patch note changes. Um, so I won't go into all the details about the patch notes, but uh, probably the most exciting ones, obviously, Symmetra's Restoration Challenge, as I just talked about, so that's exciting. However, some new competitive updates, and this is again reading directly from Overwatch's website. For the first time, bracket season one, bracket experience competitive no limits with placement matches, skill rating, leaderboards, and the opportunity to earn competitive points. In no limits, there are no restrictions on hero selections. Uh, selection. So, wow, that's kind of crazy. Um, no Competitive no limits mode uh, should be real interesting to see what happens there, especially for people who manage to put together a coordinated team, because this basically means we could literally see, I mean, we could see anything. We could say see 6v6 tracer on tracers. We could see, I don't know, 4v4 uh, Winstons with two Lucios on each side or or whatever you want. You know, the possibilities quite literally are endless. So really funny that that's uh, something they're putting into the game. Uh, was there a ton of demand for that? I You have to ask that question. I don't know that there was, but I'm definitely going to try it out and just see what 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 strange arrays of, of teams we get, what strange comps we find. Um Certainly there's a lot of potential there for disaster. There's a lot of potential for hilarity. So it'll definitely produce some some interesting results. Um, you know, personally, I don't have a team that I roll with, but I'd love to see someone try like a, a 6v6. Well, I mean, it's always 6v6, but try going all brig or something like that just to see what the hell happens. Um, I can only imagine the the fear a team would feel as, as the old style brig uh, six Briggs approach, because that would certainly be terrifying for a lot of people who who weren't fans of the Brig meta or GOATS meta in general. So I digress. Um, that's just kind of an interesting, exciting, funny tidbit there. Now, in terms of actual hero updates, we only really have two. However, they are actually pretty significant changes. The first one is uh, BAP's widescreen amplification matrix is back. So we saw this a few weeks back, maybe a month back now, in the experimental card. They increased uh, the amplification matrix width from 5 meters to 9 meters, giving it that kind of widescreen look um, where it really fit some chokes and it fit some angles a little better than than previously, made it a lot easier to, to be, um, I guess, to hide from that amplification matrix or to get an angle on it. And uh, shortly after that, there was a patch that brought in most of the changes that were in that... Um, experimental card but it didn't bring the amplification matrix so i think for a lot of people that said oh we're not going to get the widescreen amp matrix however here it is so i guess they obviously liked what they saw and now uh we have that uh, widescreen nine meter amplification matrix so look forward to seeing that although one sort of caveat with that is i don't think we see bat played too too often anymore so that could be why they're doing this they're kind of just maybe just trialing this to see if does does that really um, impact BAP play and team play around BAP enough to make it valuable, right? So 
Anyways, that's what that looks like. Now the other change is to another support character, another favorite of mine, Lucio, and that is of course the changes to the wall ride feature uh, or move of his. So previously, prior to this update, um, you had to jump and then you had to uh, release and sort of release and re-trigger your jump. Um, and the reason I phrase it like that is because I personally play on console. So for me, it's you know you jump with X and then you tap X again to hold on uh, to to hold your wall ride, um, whereas they're now changing it um, on PC. Obviously, it would have just been spacebar to jump and then space to hold again, but they're changing it. So now you only have to vault yourself into the air once. And if you make contact with a wall or anything like that, you'll automatically sort of stick to it and uh, get that that boost on the wall. Um, so I'll just read the actual notes here. So it says wall ride. By default, Lucio will now perform his wall jump boost immediately upon releasing jump to leave the wall instead of requiring a second jump press immediately after the wall. This new setting appears inside Lucio's settings on wall jump on release. Well, the well, using the new setting, Lucio can cancel wall rides by pressing, pressing crouch, which will not trigger the automatic jump. When using the wall jump on release option after crouching, releasing jump within 0.2 seconds will provide a jump boost. Bracket jump release timing is consistent with pre-existing live server jump repress timing. A lot of, a lot of mumbo jumbo there, or a lot of, a lot of awkward wording there. Um, and actually having read that now a little closer, I realized I think I was completely wrong about everything I just described. So essentially uh, it sounds more like, so previously when you were wall riding, if you, um, if, if, sorry, I was just reading through it again. If you released your wall ride, you had to then press X again to sort of give yourself that speed boost that Lucio gets from wall riding. And now it sounds like the default is going to be when you're wall riding and you release your jump button, um, you will immediately kick into that boost. Um, whereas if you want to not do that, you want to just drop from the wall or just, you know, continue at whatever pace you hit your crouch option, uh, which on console for me, PlayStation is circle. Um, so anyways, a little different than I actually initially read into that. But now that I'm rereading it, uh, not as impactful as I thought it would be initially, I'd say um, almost in a lot of ways, a quality of life feature that I think should have probably come a lot sooner because I think at this point people are very used to having to trigger that or at least Lucio players. So it'll definitely take some some getting used to. However, as they mentioned there, um, actually, I don't think they did mention there. Oh, yes. As they mentioned there, this new setting appears inside Lucio's settings page as wall jump on release. So you can actually toggle that off to have it as the the old uh, old way of, of doing it. So anyways, interesting stuff there. Um, Kind of a significant change to, for Lucio players, but uh, hopefully something that will will adapt to relatively easily. Um, other than that, there's you know a ton of workshop updates that I won't really go over. Um, bunch of bug fixes, as is generally speaking pretty normal. Lots of bug fixes in the workshop, um, but that's that's sort of the bulk of the patch notes from this latest patch. So. Moving on from there, um, I'm actually going to talk a little bit now about the developer update. So obviously the developer update brought us most of this news, um, but they've kind of broken it out and everything. So this time around, I'm pulling a story from .esports.com posted by, of course, Liz Richardson. And it reads like this, priority passes teased in latest Overwatch developer update. The newest Overwatch developer update is bringing some hope to players who are tired of long queues. 
Game director Jeff Kaplan revealed today that, quote, priority passes, end quote, will be enabled in a future update, giving players a faster queue as a reward for flexing to other roles. Overwatch's replay viewer will also be getting some important updates. Every player in Overwatch has likely experienced a seemingly endless queue, especially those who play damage roles in competitive mode. At the highest levels of play, damage queues in roll queue competitive mode can climb above 20 minutes depending on the time of day. A future Overwatch update aims to solve this issue though. Priority passes will apparently be added in an upcoming Overwatch patch. These priority passes give faster queue times to quote, impacted roles, end quote, according to Kaplan, which are likely damage dealing roles. Nothing this good is free, however, and players will have to earn those passes. Players will have to queue for what Kaplan refers to as a, quote, flex queue, end quote, to earn priority passes. In short, players will volunteer to play whatever role is necessary to reduce queue times, including support, tank, or even damage. Winning games within the flex queue will award additional priority passes. Players will be able to bank, quote, up to 40, end quote, priority passes after earning them through flex queues, according to Kaplan. The feature will apparently be heading to the public test realm, PTR, for bug testing before being enabled on the live servers sometime in the future. Overwatch's, well, and then side note from that, Overwatch's replay viewer will also get a lot of interesting options in a future update, mainly for professional observers and content creators. Viewers will eventually be able to customize the user interface or change character outlines, for example. Content creators in particular will be able to delve deeper into replays thanks to these changes. Kaplan didn't offer a specific update, a specific date for when these changes will occur, but they'll likely be previewed on the PTR before heading to the live Overwatch servers. So um, lots of interesting stuff in there. Um, I won't talk too much about the replayer information, just because, I mean, like they point out there, that's in large part, that's going to help uh, the Overwatch League casters and observers. And just for those of you who might not be in the know, um, an observer when it comes to the Overwatch League is a not a player, sorry, a person who's actually controlling the camera and the angles. So in traditional sports, obviously, you have different camera operators um, and someone directing the game who will say, okay, cut to camera three, cut to camera two, cut to the wide shot and things like that. Um, whereas in an eSport like Overwatch, you have what's called observers. So they are the ones controlling the sort of free-flowing camera. They have different angles, things like that. So generally speaking, again, I think you usually have a game director or a team of people, um, and that's where they're kind of saying, okay, focus on this, focus on that, jump to this, jump to that. And they, they actually have quite an interesting job um, where they have to know and understand a lot about what's going on because they have to be able to adapt on the fly and jump around from the different angles, different player positions, different uh, uh, literal point of views of individual players or cameras on on the field or you know follow the action and that kind of thing and focus on what's interesting to keep the player engaged, right? So that little side note aside, like I mentioned, the replay viewer um, and those features are gonna focus a lot more uh, or be focused for a lot more fine tuning when it comes to things like the Overwatch League broadcast, which is great, um, as well as content creators, which for all of us consuming Overwatch content and Overwatch League content, um, that'll just make the viewing experience even better. Now, what that article primarily focused on and what Jeff talked a lot about in the developer update was those priority passes. So as Liz explained in her article there, um, this, this feature is really meant to help cut down on those queue times again. So again, you know, uh, we recently saw, obviously, the 
split up of the competitive queues into tank, uh, support, and damage. And obviously, from that, we all saw the damage queues shoot way up compared to the other two queues. And then, of course, from there, we also saw some further changes um, to sort of refine the system and make those bring, hopefully bring those queue times down. Um, obviously, there's some incentives there. You know, they often give you whatever 25 credits or, or a loot box for queuing in one of the other roles and things like that. Um, we also then saw the breakout of the, um, the uh, I forget what they call it, but the no roll lock queue. Um, so not no limits like I talked about before, but separating out a uh, an additional sort of uh, competitive queue to make it so that there's the roll lock queue where you choose your tank, your damage, or your support role, and then there's also the separate queue for uh, it's not free for all. I can't for the life of me remember what it's called right now. Even though I just finished placements for it and I played all the well, not all the time, but I play it sometimes. Um, I digress. Where it's you know uh, you can any anyone can play any character so um, the non two 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 roll lock queue kind of thing so I digress they've been making changes to try and affect these queue times to try and bring them down um, I think splitting up those that uh, roll lock queue versus the non really did help things um, from what I saw it definitely sped up that damage queue time quite a bit because I think a lot of the damage players. Um, migrate over to that because maybe that's just what they want to play a little more. There's a lot more flexibility in the matches and, and the character comps, obviously, or the player comps, obviously. So I definitely think that that was a positive change. And I think this, this one should really, uh, I think, affect things positively as well. I'm excited for it because every now and then, especially when I start, you know, if I get on a losing streak or I lose a couple matches in, in a row on, a, on my uh, support queue, then I'll often say, ah, to hell with it. And I'll jump over to the damage, uh, or damage, to the non-roll lock queue. And I'll play a few rounds there. Because honestly, I find in a lot of ways, and I mean, maybe I just do better on other roles, but I find it allows more flexibility so that when you're stuck, when you're really being beat down into the ground or things like that, you you kind of have the opportunity to adapt a lot more than, than on the roll lock uh, competitive side. So... I'll often jump over there, and that allows you the freedom to say, okay, we're we're losing pretty bad here. Well, that's because nobody is countering their Farah, and then I personally can switch on to either, I mean, not Widow, because I don't, I never play Widow, but I can switch on to a, a character that will combat that Farah, uh, something like a soldier or something like that, um, or even a Torb if, if you want, and, and kind of try to change the tide of the fight a lot more or you know you say okay we're getting beat down we need someone on the front lines okay switch to a tank role that kind of thing um but again i'm getting off track here so anyways this priority pass um queue that they talked about i forget what i forget what jeff referred to it as a flex queue um will definitely be interesting because uh you get more of those priority passes if you do win in the flex queue which essentially says to me they're trying to incentivize people to want to win even when they're playing that flex queue. And certainly, I, I mean, I think I've talked before, I enjoy a lot of heroes. Um, tank is probably my worst role because, uh, well, I don't know why, but um, I generally speaking play support as my main. However, I don't mind playing a lot of the damage characters. I mean, damage characters are generally speaking a lot of fun. I also like a few of the tanks um, quite a bit and I don't mind playing them either. So for someone like me, this flex queue actually sounds like an awesome... Uh, an awesome way to play because I can I can 
jump in there and sort of it allows me some flexibility to to stretch my legs with the other roles that you know although I normally focus on support I can actually play these other roles so so there you go um, a lot of exciting stuff there and uh, exciting to see how the implementation works and sort of what some of the feedback is once once it's actually out there and and once they uh, get things going on it so with that um, that's probably all the news I'm going to talk about. Obviously, I can see for, for what is usually about an hour-long show, we're almost at 30 minutes already. So I will move on to the Owl Tracker because we do have a fair amount to talk about there as well. Um, of note, there was also a new experimental card that came out. Um, go take a look at it if you're interested. There's nothing I found too exciting, too tantalizing in it. Um, you know, Brig is being nerfed back from what she was previously just buffed to. So that's interesting, and that kind of sucks for anyone who likes playing Brig. And honestly, I enjoyed seeing Brig back in the mix and, and as a support player, playing her every now and then um, as well. But I digress. A lot of people hate Brig, so there you go. Without further ado, let's move on to the Owl Tracker. Oh, uh, we have to get this thing moving again. All right, so in the Owl Tracker this week, um, I have a few... Uh, additions that actually aren't on the owl tracker that or the uh, trade tracker that I use which again is Liz Richardson's on .esports.com um, so I, I mean honestly she's busy and I get it um, but there's a few that I caught that aren't on there yet um, they're probably just too new so I will try to remember to cover those at the end there um, if I forget I apologize and we'll get to them next week however uh, all of that said um, I'm also going to start by recapping what I think I ended off with last week, um, just for posterity's sake. So, looking at last week, oh, and I should also mention, this week I'm actually recording a day after uh, I had previously. Uh, generally speaking, or normally speaking, I have soccer on Tuesdays, so I normally record on Mondays and publish early morning hours on a Tuesday. However, uh, soccer has been canceled where I am because of the COVID-19 pandemic again. So we're in a temporary lockdown for two weeks of a few minor services. That's really not going to change much, but Hey, that's not my place to comment very much. Uh, but I digress. I'm recording on Tuesday evening instead of Monday evening. So I do have an extra day of information in here. Now, next week, uh, I believe I won't have soccer either, so I might record on Tuesday again. However, after that, we'll probably go back to Monday. But I digress. Let's get in there. So last week, I believe I left off with the Washington Justice on November 9th, signing DPS Jerry. Uh, from there, I also talked about the Guangzhou charge, um, dropping DPS player Happy and Nero, as well as flex support Shu. Um, so interesting stuff there. Um, I believe I titled that Guangzhou charge goodbye to three. Those would be the three. Um, and then I also talked about Car uh, Car on the Vancouver Titans, talked about him a little bit. Uh, Roki on the Toronto Defiant retiring. And then there's actually one other here listed on November 9th, which I think I mentioned previously, but uh, I'll mention here because it's on November 9th for Liz's trade tracker, and it is Shu joining the Los Angeles Gladiators. So moving on to the new updates of the past week or so. November 10th, Dallas Fuel acquires main support Jexy. Um, so interesting one there for sure. Jexy previously being with the Houston Outlaws, so a uh, geographically a close trade and uh, 
certainly when it comes to competitive rivalries, uh, a bit of an, a bit of a controversial controversial one there. Um, but you know, nonetheless, uh, should be interesting to see Jexy. I think one of the players that most people would have definitely thought would be coming back. Um, and then one of the, one of the char- characters, geez, one of the players, I think we're all surprised we haven't seen come back from the Houston outlaws yet, um, is Linkser, of course. Uh, so he's a free agent right now, but Hey, we'll see what happens there. And moving on from there, also on November 10th, the Guangzhou Charge add flex support Kareev. So exciting one to see there. Um, you know, with obviously with Toronto uh, releasing, you know, most of their roster and then, well, only keeping one of their roster members initially and then re-signing Beast as well later on. Um, interesting to see Kareev here going to the Guangzhou Charge, but not Kareev, Kareev. I, I never know. But anyways, um, not surprising in my books to see him getting re-signed maybe surprising to see him go to Guangzhou but again I think I talked about last week this is one of those trades that I like seeing this kind of thing um, you know a player going from Toronto in Canada obviously to Guangzhou in China is is an exciting one of those sort of international trades that you don't see in in many other leagues just because of the uh, the nature of the Overwatch League uh, the international nature of it so I like seeing that. Um, seeing Kareev go to Guangzhou actually is an interesting one as well. Uh, we'll talk about a few other changes Guangzhou's making here uh, in more recent days, just because this one was back on the 10th. But uh, Guangzhou making some changes over the past week, um, obviously, especially dropping those first three players and then bringing some new ones in. So exciting stuff. Uh, happy to see Kareev come back. I know a lot of people are Kareev stands and a lot of people are not. I think there's a lot of black and white when it comes to Kareev. People either like him or they don't. They think he's he's done kind of thing. Um, and I think that uh, hopefully he can, hopefully Guangzhou uh, has a good team around him because I think he can definitely shine. So moving on from there, November 11th, the Philadelphia Fusion part, way with main, part ways with main tank Sato, off tank Fury, and DPS Ivy. So this is one of those ones, um, you know, every time I, every time Philly comes up with some of these changes, I talk about the fact that I don't think anyone could have said truly what Philly needed to change to make an impact. Um, I don't think anyone would have really said that uh, Fury in particular was that change, um, as we'll see shortly here. I'm just going to double check, but... Uh... Oh, I actually don't have it listed. I'm fairly certain Fury just got signed somewhere else, but I won't speak to that too much just because I don't see it on here. But to continue on the Fury, or not the Fury, sorry, the Philadelphia Fusion train there, um, Sato, I think, was one that uh, a lot of people were impressed with this past season. I think he kind of stepped up in some ways and uh, surprised some people. So again, you know, a bit of a surprising one there. Ivy, on the other hand, um, I think what I had talked about previously was I think their DPS line was one that just couldn't keep up with, with the competition in a lot of ways. So I wasn't too surprised to see Ivy moving there. Um, now, uh, does that mean they need to bring something in to replace Ivy? Uh, probably. Um, but again, I, I can't quite remember just off the top of my head who Philadelphia has already announced they've signed anyways so they may have already brought someone in to replace him but i digress because i think ivy will will land somewhere else as well because certainly not not a low caliber player by any means um just i think wasn't able to have that super big impact that philadelphia needed so 
Moving on from there, um, also on November 11th, the Guangzhou Charge, sign main support Mandu. Uh, that's one that we definitely have heard uh, good things about, um, or at least I've heard good things about just from what little contenders knowledge I know. I believe Mandu's coming up from uh, Contenders Korea. Um, and I'm just going to pull it up here. Mandu began his career in Overwatch Contenders Korea as a part of Armament and O2 Blast. His performance on the latter team caught the eye of New York Excelsior, who signed Mandu before the 2020 season began. Um, he only played two, two games with uh, the New York Excel, so he actually was brought up um, into, uh, into the Overwatch League. So anyways, exciting to see him moving to... Uh, to Guangzhou as well. So like I said, Guangzhou coming up a few times here. Also on November 11th, Shanghai Dragons acquire main tank Fate from the Florida Mayhem. Um, definitely one that I didn't see coming. I, I think, I mean, obviously as a bit of a Florida stan after this season, I was looking forward to seeing a lot of the players return to Florida. Um, you know, obviously their, their DPS line with uh, BQB and Yaki kind of was the shining star there. But I certainly didn't see Fate leaving Um leaving florida either in the main tank role there so it'll be interesting to see what uh, what florida brings to replace him next up is november 12th where the los angeles gladiators had main support grant moth sb so this one is one that uh, i'm not sure if we talked about being rumored however it was rumored for a while now that moth would be leaving the san francisco shock in favor of the los angeles gladiators so uh a pretty big deal for sure. Um, Moth, I, I mean, I wouldn't say Moth is ever underrated or was ever underrated on the San Francisco Shock. Um, I definitely think that Moth is in the in the conversation for, for greatest of all time um, in terms of the Overwatch League, but especially in terms of uh, the main support role. Um, you know, obviously some stellar gameplay on from Moth on, on Mercy, on Lucio, um, and just just a, a really fun player to watch play. Um, and obviously, I think a big part of the San Francisco Shock team and culture um, and everything that kind of goes along with that. Now, in terms of the actual move to the Los Angeles Gladiators, obviously this, this indicates that Los Angeles is ready to kind of throw down and bringing in a lot of... Uh, or bringing in some big talent, um, hopefully hoping to make a pretty big play in the next season. So I think it'll be really interesting to see where the Gladiators kind of place um, or or where they end up, uh, I mean, at the end of the upcoming season, but uh, sort of towards the start as well, if the team can really gel together, because they've made a lot of changes and uh, they've certainly brought in some good pieces. So um, I think LA Gladiators... You know, I'm fairly certain they ended up the season ninth or 10th position, so right kind of in the middle of the pack overall. I think they definitely could be fighting for one of those uh, top five spots with some of the changes they've been move making. Um, definitely top five North America, but potentially top five overall. So exciting to see that, and we'll talk about, uh, we'll talk about the other side in a moment here. Uh, next up, also on November 12th, though, is the Boston Uprising signing DPS I'm 37 and dropping main tank axiom so main tank axiom not one that uh i even really truly could have said i knew was on the team there so i don't have too much to say about that and then signing uh i'm 37 i don't know too much about that either but i can pull up the article here that it links to uh veteran dps oh wow nope never mind uh shaking up its roster 
during the 2019 Overwatch League season, I'm 37, played DPS for Toronto Defiant. Okay, I couldn't have told you that. He's most well-known for speedrunning the path to pro, going from a week-long stay in Overwatch Contenders directly to the league. After being dropped by the Defiant, he joined Contenders Korea team WGS Phoenix while on loan from Boston's Academy team, uh, Uprising Academy. So I guess that's the connection to Boston. He's being uh, being brought up from the ranks, which certainly always good to see that kind of thing. And, and pardon the noise. And Boston definitely, uh, you know, looking to bring some of their talent up because they need it. Um, we all know the state Boston is in. So moving on from there, Philadelphia Fusion, also on November 12th. Confirm Carpe will return for the 2021 season. So nothing, I mean, honestly, nothing too surprising there. I think they would have been crazy to let Carpe go. At the same time, Philadelphia making some questionable moves, but also making some big moves. So I wouldn't have been too, too shocked to see them let him go. But I think a uh, smart move on their part to keep him. He's definitely a, a fan favorite and also another one of those can candidates for, you know, greatest of all time kind of thing. So going on from there, London Spitfire add reprise as head coach, Justin reprise hand as head coach. That's actually kind of funny because I actually went to high school with a kid named Justin Hand, but I doubt it's the same guy very much. And Xavier Commander X Hardy as assistant coach. So exciting stuff for London there. I know nothing about either of them. Um, and I just, uh, there's an article linked there, but I won't talk too, too much about them because I want to get on to the next point. San Francisco Shock add main support Bryce FD God Monskivore. So FD God uh, definitely making a big move going from the Paris Eternal to the San Francisco Shock. Um, obviously, we all know Paris did exceedingly well this past season, especially for how some, some analysts predicted they would do. Um, and at the same time, I, I'm not sure if I have talked about, but there's a lot of rumors right now about Paris's organization as a whole being in a bit of turmoil. Um, seemingly, they have basically one person running the whole org right now, um, as m almost everyone has moved to Dallas, but as everyone has been making moves and, and being cut. Um, so who knows what will happen with Paris there. But regardless, uh, FD God, probably one of the only players I think could have uh, could have potentially been an upgrade to Moth. Um, I definitely don't think uh, it's it's a direct comparison. I don't think FD God and Moth play necessarily the same style of play. Um, however, both being in the main support role, uh, definitely a big move for FD God. And, you know, I mean, obviously, hopefully it pays off for him. Hopefully it pays off for San Francisco. So moving on from there. Another Guangzhou move. Uh, yes, sorry. Guangzhou Charge signs DPS McKaylee. So this one, um, again, another Contenders Korea player I don't know too much about, but uh, certainly I've heard good things about uh, about Kaylee. Everything I've read and uh, oh, former ID was Kaylee, now it's McKaylee, but I digress. Um, definitely an exciting change to see there bringing in some young talent as well and obviously adding adding again to that guangzhou roster that we previously saw lose or release three still on november 12th here hangzhou spark release off tank qoq um i obviously i did not follow hangzhou too much this past season um they tweeted out today we part ways with qoq as a nice friend and an Excellent player, QOQ, has truly changed how Hangzhou Spark plays this season, and we can't thank him enough for that. Thank you, Sungjun. We wish you a bright future ahead. So there you go. That is the case with 
Hengzhou. Not a name we've seen too, too much in here either. Finally, moving on to November 3rd, the Atlanta Rain, a name that we saw release a number of players uh, back in October, I believe, but haven't heard from too much, uh, announced they were signing DPS Pelican. Um, so Pelican is, again, yet another uh, uh, contenders player. Um, so exciting to see that move on their part. Um, exciting to see the name Atlanta coming up again, because uh, hopefully it means we'll hear more from them soon. Now, moving on from there, uh, a bit of a surprising one, also on November 13th still, Los Angeles Valiant DPS KSF announces free agency. So the reason I say this one's a uh, bit of an interesting one is because I don't think anyone would have predicted that KSF or KSP would not be signed, re-signed by the Los Angeles Valiant. Now that said, let me just look up uh, Los Angeles Valiant. Um, yes, that's that's what I thought. So definitely an interesting one. Um, and I think there, there were a lot of rumors sort of last season or floating around at the end of the season that Packington, the, uh, the coach for uh, the Los Angeles Valiant, was a little bit strapped when it came to his... Uh, uh, his salary and how much he was able to invest in the players. And that, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of talk about being really impressed with what the Los Angeles Valiant were able to do with their season. Um, and I think KSF and KSP both were a big part of that. I mean, I think a player like McGravy was a big part of that as well. Um, and actually, that's one that I, uh, I don't have on the list here. But it was actually announced today that McGravy was signed by a contenders team. So I think, uh, you know, a few of the uh, the valiant players that weren't getting uh, that aren't getting re-signed, you know, uh, we're finally getting some word on them, and it's it's interesting for sure. Uh, hopefully, packing has been given a little more room to work, and hopefully, they'll have some announcements soon um, because we haven't heard too much from them other than uh, other than McGravy and KSF now being a free agent. So, I digress. Moving on from there, November fourteenth, Dallas Fewer Fewer. Dallas Fuel acquired DPS XE from the Paris Eternal. So not too surprising here. Um, we've obviously talked a lot about Dallas this offseason, and I believe we now know the full Dallas roster, uh, confirmed by Hastro, the, the owner of the team, I believe, if not GM. Um, but I believe we know the whole team, and there is a big core coming from the Paris Eternal, um, but even from that, there's an even more of a core coming from the Element Mystic uh, Contenders team. Um, following the head coach there now. So this will, I mean, it's not saying too much, but this will probably be the best and most lucrative, most impressive season we've seen yet from the Dallas Fuel. Obviously, this will only be season four, but I digress because Fuel fans should be excited. Also on November 14th, another Guangzhou uh, announcement. They signed Choi... Choi Sehuan, um, DPS Choi Sehuan. Now, I'm not familiar with him at all, obviously, as you can tell by me barely knowing how to pronounce his name and probably getting it wrong. I'm just reading from their tweet here. A rising flex DPS star, we call him the chosen one from Element Mystic. Now he decides to charge with us. Let's give a warm welcome to Sihuan Choi Sehuan Choi. Um, so anyways, uh, definitely exciting. And obviously we're seeing a bit of a trend here with a lot of number, a number of different teams, um, pulling people from contenders Korea. So exciting stuff to see there and always exciting, as I've mentioned a few times to see people coming up from the contenders league. So that's all we have on the tracker here. So I'm, I'm sure I'm going to miss a few because 
That only goes up to November 14th, and we now have the 15th, 16th, and a full day of the 17th. Um, let me just do a quick refresh on the tracker here and see if anything's updated. Nope, no updates there. Um, but I will, or I have pulled up a few others. So a few that were just announced today that I want to talk about here. Hangzhou Spark, AdFlex Support, McD. Um, so interesting one there, yet another Contenders Korea squad there, yet another former Element Mystic player coming into uh, the Overwatch League um, and joining, you know, joining the ranks of Sparkle, Hanbin, Doha, who all came uh, to the league from Contenders Korea there, um, or from Element Mystic even. So lots of interesting stuff there um, and exciting stuff for Hangzhou, who, a name who, again, we previously had not heard too much from. Um, now, let's see what else we've got here. Another one, this time, a new announcement from a team that has been mostly quiet, uh, the Toronto Defiant. So I was excited to see this one, and I'm actually going to pull this from an article by Liz Richardson, and it reads, Toronto Defiant signs flex support Aztec. After dismantling its roster early in the offseason, the Toronto Defiant is starting to rebuild. Flex support Park Aztec Jiangsu will be joining the Defiant's 2021 Overwatch League lineup, the team announced today. Aztec is the first new acquisition for Toronto during the 2020 offseason. Over the past few years, Aztec has been making a name for himself as one of the most talented flex supports in Overwatch contenders. He was most recently a part of WGS Phoenix on loan from the to the team from Uprising Academy. WGS won the second 2020 season of Contenders Korea. He's also played for teams across multiple regions of Contenders like Phase 2, Griffin, and O2 Blast. Because of his long career in the Tier 2 season, as well as his recent victory with WGS Phoenix, the community was expecting Aztec to be signed to an Overwatch League team this season. Jumping ahead a little bit in the article there, Aztec marks the first new acquisition for the Toronto Defiant heading into the 2021 season. His addition hints that the Defiant may be aiming for a mixed roster setup next year after running with a majority Western lineup in 2020. Now, obviously, that that last little bit is kind of saying, well... Like it, it says the roster may be heading to a, or they may be heading to a mixed roster. I, in my mind, they obviously are because they have Logics and Beast and now Aztec. So obviously that's mixed right there. Um, you know, Beast and, and Logics both being, if not Canadian, North American team members um, and Aztec not. So anyhow, not the point. I digress. The point is exciting to see Toronto make an announcement at all. Um, and actually, again, I think I talked last episode about, uh, I follow Adam Adamu, uh, the chief strategy officer, I believe for overactive media, the company that owns Tor the Toronto Defiant. And, uh, it's definitely been exciting to see, um, something like this coming up because they have been mostly quiet on the, on the Western front, if you will. Um, and obviously as a, uh, a formerly closeted, but now out Toronto Defiant fan, I'm excited to see some some changes and some things being announced. Moving on from there, the next one we have here, um, I've actually just pulled up on Instagram from the Shanghai Dragons account um, because this one was announced just about an hour ago as of recording. So, And it reads like this, the offseason is heating up. Please welcome Erster as your newest dragon. And then pending league approval, of course. Um, so they do have an actual statement here. Um, I would read it, but it's kind of tiny on my screen there, so I'm not going to read it. But anyways, um, Erster, uh, not necessarily a player I would have predicted going to the Shanghai Dragons. Um, 
you know, he's coming over there from the Atlanta rain. So I think there's, there's some potential that, uh, that he may have engaged them in some way. I just don't necessarily see any of the Atlanta rain players really as, uh, as Shanghai having an, a big eye on them. Um, looking at his history there, you know, he's had a history with contenders, um, played for a number of different teams, but, uh, no, none of the none of the usual names like uh, Element Mystic and and uh, O2 Blast and things like that that seem to be these ones that keep recurring, right? Um, so, anyways, I digress. Uh, he's been with the Atlanta Rain since 2019. Um, played with them for that season. Played with uh, played with them for the 2020 season. But uh, interesting, like I say, overall, just very interesting to see this one because I don't necessarily think I would have predicted the Shanghai Dragons would be. Uh, chasing uh, Erster by any means. But um, hopefully they see some potential there, and uh, and that will be that. So as I mentioned here, um, you know, my, my trusty trade tracker did seem to have a few days backlog there, a few things missing. Um, so I gathered a few of them up there and threw them at the end. Uh, I apologize if I missed anything. Hopefully next week it will be up to date, but uh, I'm not holding that against anyone. And, uh, you know, I don't blame anyone for that. Everyone's busy and everyone's dealing with the pandemic. So I get it. Um, but that's all the trades and details about that that we have for this week's episode. Um, so without further ado, I think we'll wrap things up. Excuse me for dropping in. So thank you for listening to episode 25 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. Um, of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I am your host, Sir Dr. JM at Sir DRJM. You can find me on Twitter and you can find me on Instagram at that handle. And of course, please follow me and please reach out to me. Um, I'd love to integrate people's feedback into the show. Um, you know, if you have questions, I'd love to read them on air. Um, I mean, hell, if you, everyone in the podcast I listen to seems to say, leave me a review and I'll read it on air. So I'll throw it out there too. If you leave me a review, I'll read it on air. Um, I mean, hopefully it's good. Don't, you know, if you're going to leave a bad review, I, I don't really know why you're leaving a review. Honestly, people don't like to hear bad things. Um, I'd prefer if, you know, if you're going to tell me bad things, maybe just send me a message and, and Hey, I'll thank you kindly and I'll move on. Uh, but hopefully it's good. Um, anyways, I digress, leave me something and, and I'll talk about it on the show and I'll shout you out and everything like that. You leave me your Twitter handle and I will, I will ask people to follow you. I will ask my tiny, tiny audience that is next to non-existent to follow you. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there. Anyhow, I digress. Um, this is One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Um, you can obviously find us on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anything like that. So um, if you enjoyed today's show, please tune in next week. Um, like I say, I'm a little, it's a little up in the air right now if I'll record on Tuesday or Monday. Seems like Monday usually generates a fair amount of news and then uh Oh, I'm sorry. It seems like Monday is usually a little quiet and then Tuesday usually breaks a number of news stories. So I'm finding, you know, if I can record on a Tuesday, uh, I'll probably try to do that. And if I can't, then, hey, I guess we won't. But uh, I just threw something on the ground. That's that noise you heard. So anyhow, I digress. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.